0: It's not morning to some of y'all because y'all been up (laughs) since it feels more like afternoon. But thank you for being here. I'm so excited to see you this morning. Um, If uh, if this is your first time worshiping with us uh, here in person, in the back of the seat in front of you is what we call our Connect card. And that's just a way for you to to let us know that you are here. Um, And so in the back of that seat, uh, if you'll fill that card out with as much information as you feel comfortable with, we actually have a gift that we want to give you today. Uh, your very own Lindsay Lane East quality top-of-the-line t-shirt. And so we would love to give you that today. just as appreciation of you being here. And uh, if nothing else, you can wear it around the house uh, if you don't want to wear it out in public. Um, But they are really, really nice shirts. We'd love to give you one today. So um, on your way out, if you'll fill that out on your way out, stop by our Next Steps banner, um, and we'll hook you up there with that shirt. If you're watching online, uh, the best way for you to do this is to click in the description for the Connect Card uh, description for the video, click the link for the Connect Card there. Let us know that you're watching with us for the first time, and uh, we're so excited to have you as well. Um, those cards are also awesome if this isn't your first time and you've been here. Some of y'all a lot more than me even. Uh, grab that card, and uh, you can let us know about prayer requests. You can let us know about decisions that God's laid on your heart to make, um, next steps that you'd like to take, and so that Connect Card, man, is just—it's so important. For what we do here at East, and uh, we look at those as a staff every week, and uh, pray over those, and uh, we'll follow up with you if we need to, okay? Y'all awake? Good, okay. Let's dive in. Uh, if you've got a Bible, open up to Exodus 19. That's where we'll be here shortly. But before, <clears throat> as you're turning there, I want to tell you, uh, this may shock some of you. It's a little bit uh, news. I like to joke around when I was in school. Um, I was a little bit of a clown. I don't think I was voted class clown, but I had to be on the ballot. You know what I mean? Um, So I really like to joke around. Uh, One of the things I was terrible at, uh, still am, is impressions. Um, I thought about trying to share some of my best ones with you, uh, but... It's online, and no, we're not going to do that. So uh, it'll be there forever. But I am not great at impressions. Uh, I wish I could be. One of my best friends in the world is one of the greatest, like outside of being on SNL or something, like, he's one of the greatest impressionists I've ever been around. Because he does something. The thing I've learned about him, I've watched him for 18 years or something now that we've been friends. What I've seen in him is that, see, when I do an impression, I try to match the voice, right? Like, I just try to talk like them. He becomes them. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been around somebody? It's not just their voice. It's the facial expressions they make. It's the way that they move their body. Like It's just incredible. He, he, you just watch this transformation almost as he becomes the person he's trying to imitate. He does a good Forrest Gump. And he'll get locked into it for hours. Uh, he's a student pastor. And so uh, he'll go on a youth trip and stay locked in as Forrest Gump for like a whole day. And you'll want to kill him by the end of the day. I hope you're watching this, Drew. Um, but uh, but he, man, he, he, he just becomes Forrest Gump. And it's not just the voice. It's the quotes that he remembers. It's the facial expression that he makes. It's the eyes, those kind, just big, but also blank eyes that Tom Hanks does. as Forrest Gump. Like, it's just incredible. And um, I was never good at it because uh, I could only focus on one or two of those details. But a good impressionist is able to pull all... The, notice those details and then actually pull it in and make it happen. And so that's, that's a, an idea that you're going to see come about in the story today. Um, we're looking at the, the third covenant through this series, the covenant that God makes with his people through Moses. And so we're going through this series on the covenants of the Bible. If you don't know what that means, it's okay. If you've missed the last two weeks, we're going we're gonna to dive in. Today's a whole new message. It'll make sense to you as we go through. But what we've been seeing is that God comes down, um, in certain moments and makes a partnership with mankind, make, makes a partnership with particular people in a particular time for a particular purpose. And we've seen that. And what we've seen is that in each one of those covenants, God's love is on display. And so today is going to be no different. We see a guy named Moses. We'll talk about who he is here in a second. He actually goes before God on behalf of now, uh, last week we talked about Abraham. Abraham's family is now huge and uh, their uh, Abraham or Moses actually goes on behalf of this now huge family of Abraham before God, and God calls them to live a particular way. Not just in the way that they speak, not just in the way that they uh, that they act, but in every aspect of their life. He uses over six hundred laws to show them how to live. Um, so our problem is that we oftentimes get, up in the detail, get caught up in the details of these laws, and we forget that there's an overarching purpose of what God's doing. So today, that's going to change. That's going to be our focus. I'm going to read Exodus 19, 3 through 8, um, and then uh, we're going to kind of get caught up on where we are in the story, okay? Exodus 19, beginning in verse 3. It should be on the screen. Moses went up the mountain to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You've seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you'll be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine anyway. And you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation these are the words that you were to say to the Israelites. After Moses came back, he summoned the elders of the people and set, them, set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded. And the people responded together, We will do all that the Lord has spoken. So Moses brought the people's words back to the Lord on the mount. Let's pray. Um, God, we thank you that uh, that you have placed a heavy calling that we're going to talk about today on your people. Um. But, God, there's a there's a promise in the midst of that um, calling as well that you'll be with us. And, Father, I'm thankful, um, God, to, uh, to be able to see in your word, God, what I've seen in my life, um, that you love us, God, and you've continued to be with us uh, as we go through life and try to live out this difficult calling that you've placed on us, Father. I pray that today as we open your word, God, that you would open the eyes of our hearts to see the truth, Um, that we need to see today. Uh, I don't know where everybody's at, God, what everybody's dealing with, but God, I pray that today you are glorified and your people leave here different. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So um, if you've been around a while, you know I don't like jumping in the middle of a story, okay? You don't start a movie halfway through, do you? You sickos. Surely not, Um, surely not. Uh, you don't start a book at chapter six, you start at the beginning. And so we've got to, I've got to catch you up. Okay. So if this stuff bores you. Get over it. we got to do this, okay? This is important. And so what we've seen through the, these three weeks is what we've seen is that uh, God's relationship with mankind that he envisioned and he had desired was broken. And the world completely spins out of control. People are not following God. They're not pursuing God. And, uh, and we see that by Genesis 6. Genesis 3 through 6 is just this unraveling story. What we see begin in Genesis 6 is that God begins to rebuild uh, we see that God decreates uh, through a flood, but he recreates the way he designed it through a man named Noah. God comes and calls out a man named Noah for a particular purpose in a particular time. We see Noah's kids. Uh, Noah had three sons and uh, they were just perfect little angels. That's not true. Uh, they were just like the rest of us. They messed up and made mistakes. Noah himself made mistakes. And so the world doesn't just f- pursue God in this beautiful thing. It's another roller coaster, even after God recreates. Um, and we see that goes all the way up to Genesis chapter 12. And we, God actually comes down and speaks to another man in Genesis 12 named Abram. And now instead, God still has his promise to mankind that he made to Noah, that he's he's not going to flood the earth again. Um, They're going to be able to exist even in the midst of judgment. But God comes and he speaks to a man named Abram and he says, I'm going to use your family to bless the world. And so this is a big shift. We saw this last week, a big shift in the way that God begins to deal with the world. He's no longer dealing with the world on a large scale. He's dealing with the world through a family. And so this family of Abram, whose name later gets changed to Abraham, right? Um, God had a special land for them, uh, what we call the land of Canaan, what later becomes known as Israel. But Abraham's, uh, Abraham finally has a son, and then he has kids, and then they have kids. So Abraham's kids, kids, kids uh, have gotten to somewhat enjoy the land of Canaan. And then, uh, but they're still far from, their, from the perfection and the relationship that God wanted for them, and they experience a famine, a famine just means no food, right? And so they're in the, in the promised land, but there's no food. And they wind up going to a place called Egypt, which you probably know where Egypt is. That was a dumb way to say that, but a place called Egypt. ever heard of it? Anyway, um, so Egypt, right? Um, so what Egypt had done over the last few years is they had prepared for the famine. God had warned um, Joseph, who was living there. God had warned them, and so they had actually stockpiled food. So people are coming from all over the known world to Egypt, and God's people, Abraham's family, leave Canaan, the promised land, where there's no food, and they go to Egypt, and they've got it made. The Pharaoh, Pharaoh, who is the king of Egypt, he loves the Israelites. He thinks they're the best thing ever, man. He's giving them whatever they want. They're living like royalty in Egypt. God starts blessing them greatly, like their women are fertile, I'm talking about they start pumping babies out like the 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 Abraham's family. They become quickly multiplying. Right? It's just incredible as God continues to bless them and listen to this. 400 years pass. 400 years pass and they live in Egypt not in the promised land. Now, here's what I've learned about time. I don't I don't understand it, okay? So, like, I'm, I'm 34 years old, and it feels like I should be 80 in one sense, right? I feel like I've lived a long time. Like, I look back at all these memories, and I'm like, dude, I feel so much older than 34. And then I also feel like I'm five, not because of my behavior, you jerks, <laughs> but just because of, like, time has flown, right? Like, I don't feel like I should even be 34 in one sense. And what I recognize is I have no concept of time, okay? <laughs> That's the point. But also a, what I've recognized is that we as Americans struggle with time because we live in a country that is only 245 years old, right? Uh, I can remember my previous church, we had, a, a, before I got there, they had had a foreign exchange student uh, from, uh, I can't remember the country, but it was in the Middle East, right? And so he, he had like a, 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 a sticker of their flag, on one of his notebooks or something that he had brought to church. And the youth pastor was like, hey, man, what's that? Tell me about your flag. Is that your country's flag? He said, yeah. And there's this weird little seal thing in the middle, you know. And he said, what is that? He said, that's our country's seal. And he said, what does it mean? And why are there axes on it? You know, and it was very medieval. Look, it was very old looking. And, and he said, uh, it's because our country's a 1,000 years old. <laughs> and the youth pastor was like, a thousand? So like four times older than our country. That's how old your country is? You said, I mean, like the rest of the world's been going a lot longer than we have. And so for, for us, I think as Americans, we just struggle thinking in terms, we think history is only 245 years old. It was a lot longer than that, okay? And so we start thinking about 400 years. That's a long time. And what we see in the story is that this nomadic group of 70 family members is now 600,000, check it, men. 600,000 Men. Not even including their wives and children. So when you add the math, I don't know how I'm great at math, but that's over a million. I ballpark it. Right? It's at least uh at least a million. We know they were fertile, so it could be even two or three million, right? But what we have what happens is over four hundred years, uh the same Pharaoh's not in charge. Right? Duh. And a new pharaoh continues to come into place. And what we what we see happen is that this once Uh, 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 beloved family, this once beloved ethnic people, shift from beloved to uh, a threat. And we see a Pharaoh come onto the scene who looks at the nation of Israel not as this cute little family, but as a threat to his empire. And so he does what every... uh, well-known dictator has done throughout history is he made them slaves Um, he he forced them to be slaves to keep them down and then he did what also what every well-known dictator has done throughout history population control Um, he makes an edict that all hebrew boys who are born must be pitched into the nile river it's dark isn't it That's what we see happen. However, we hear a story right after that. We hear a story in the book of Exodus, the very beginning, about a little baby whose name was Moses. And God actually rescues him from the waters of death. And he uses a little wooden basket to do it. And that should sound familiar as we've been studying through this. right? God's anointed one. Being placed in a wooden structure and rescued through the waters of death should remind you of the Noah story from the first week, right? That's so, it's supposed to stand out to us. It's supposed to stand out to us. God's anointed facing death, but escapes in a boat. Except it was a baby in a in a in a basket. But this baby was saved through death, and his name was Moses. And Moses grew up, and God, again, just like God had called Noah out, just like God had called Abram out, now God calls Moses out for a particular purpose in a particular time. And that's what we're going to see in the text today. God is going to establish his people. God's going to lead Uh, God's going to use Moses to lead his people out of Egypt and back to the land of promise. And God's going to finally establish them as a great nation. Uh, If you've been here, if you are here last week, you know the great nation. God promised Abraham that his family would be a great nation. Well, it hasn't happened yet. They're not a nation. They're a nomadic people. that are just moving around. But I read this commentary this week. The great nation promised by God to Abraham in Genesis 12-2 is about to emerge on the world stage. This is a cool moment that we're seeing happen. And so um, this is the, uh, it's tough to talk about God leading um, his people out of Egypt like in one sentence, but I'm about to do it, okay? (laughs) Read the story. It's incredible how God does it. But they get out the most anticlimactic, but there's a lot of miracles that lead to them getting out, okay? But we don't have time, okay? That's another sermon. Look it up, read it. They get out. <laughs> They're on their way, and on their way back to the land God that God had promised them, God stops Moses and the Israelites at a mountain called Sinai, Okay? And on Sinai, this is the place where God had originally met with Moses and had told him, you're going to lead my people. And it's there on this mountain now this time that God makes a covenant with man once again. So all of Israel, this is interesting, all of Israel did not climb the mountain. Moses climbed the mountain on their behalf. Moses climbs the mountain on behalf of Israel and he speaks with the Lord. And so as you read through the rest of this interaction throughout the book of Exodus, the first thing you're going to see, beginning in chapter 19, as you read through the next 12 chapters you're going to see that there are a lot of rules so no takers in the room that's point number one the first thing we see in the story the rules okay Uh, i want to look back at verses five and six from the verses we read earlier uh, chapter 19 now if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant you will be my own possession out of all the peoples although the whole earth is mine and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation these are the words moses that you are to say to the israelites Now, honestly, when you see that, and even if you read the rest of it, of this section, it doesn't sound too bad. It seems like a lot of promises, and all we have to do is listen and keep the covenant. That sounds easy. Sweet. This sounds like an awesome deal. However, this is the Cliff Notes version, because in chapters 20 through 31, what we see are the actual rules of the covenant. Twelve chapters of rules and laws. Read through it sometime. It's thorough. If you've ever read it, it's thorough. Lot of details um, in there. You're gonna see. You're gonna see rules and laws that are expected. If you're gonna set up a nation, you've got to have some rules. You can't kill people. Check. Like that's a, that's a, that's a rule. Um, we can't steal from one another. We've got to treat each other with respect. Like there's those types of laws when you see it. But there's also rules um, and laws regarding ceremonies and sacrifices. God is setting up a sacrificial system among his people at this time too. And so it gets really, really uh, bloody in all honesty. So read it. Um, again, we don't have time. But um, it becomes clear as you read through this that God's people are not being invited into some country club. That has all the perks as long as you stroke a check every month. What we see is that to be in a special relationship with Yahweh, which is the name, the Old Testament name for God, to be in relationship with Yahweh involved more than privilege, it entailed responsibility. It was all about responsibility. God was calling his people to live different from the world around them. And yes, their belief that. Their belief in one God was crazy enough in the world, in all honesty. Most countries at this time, most nations, most people groups at this time believe in lots of gods. However, Israel is set apart in that. But God wasn't just saying, you're going to look strange because of what you believe. He says, I want you to look strange because of what you do. I want you to look strange by who you are. I want you to stand out from the world around you because of your behaviors and the way that you treat people. God was speaking to these people at this particular time. But what was the purpose? Again, they were written so that these laws were all given so that God's people would know how to stand out from the world around them. That was the whole purpose of the law. Among other, We could talk about other things, but this is the main purpose of the law. They would know what it looks like to stand out. And so here's, here's, here's application before we even go any further. The purpose behind the laws gives us a peek into the passion and desire of God for his people. Really throughout history, God wants his people to look different from the world around them. And so even before we take another step in this message, that stands true of you today. Like if you call yourself a Christian, You'd say, man, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, guess what? The same calling of his people in the Old Testament to stand out from the world around them is over you today. God's called us to stand out. If you don't believe me, you think, hey, that's Old Testament stuff. The New Testament word for the church is the word ekklesia. Guess what it means? Called out ones. (laughs) Right? We've been called out to live separate from the world around us. We are the ecclesia, the called out ones, and we've been commanded to do that. And man, again, before we go any further, wrestle in your heart and ask the question, do people see me as different from everybody else? It's your workplace. Do people see you as different? Or do you just look like everybody else? In your family, on your street, The people see you as something different from everybody else. If not, that's a problem that you need to address in your heart. Not only do we see the rules pointing to a particular thing, we also see a risk. uh, The risk that Israel is gambling on um, in their time as God's people. And we're going to skip ahead through the rules and and get to verse 34. Uh, This is um, Moses speaking on behalf of God to the people. He says, Observe what I command you today. I'm going to drive out before you. This is an important... Take note of these names that are coming here, okay? I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hephites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty with the inhabitants of the land that you're going to enter. Otherwise, they'll become a snare among you. Instead, tear down their altars. Smash their sacred pillars. And chop down their Asherah poles, because the Lord is jealous for His reputation. You are never to bow down to another god. He is a jealous God. Do not make a treaty with the inhabitants of the land, or else when they prostitute themselves with their gods and sacrifice to their gods, they're going to invite you in, and you'll eat their sacrifices. Then you'll take some of their daughters as brides for your sons, and. Their daughters will prostitute themselves for their gods, because your sons, uh, and cause your sons to prostitute themselves with their gods. Now, the people that God is mentioning here at the very beginning—Amorites, Canaanites, Hethites, Perizzites, Hevites, Jebusites—these are the people that are currently living in the land of promise. And if you remember from last week, God said in Genesis 15, I am going to drive out before your people. And he lays out a list of these people. This is a fulfillment. This is a a reminder that the very thing I spoke to to Father Abraham so many years ago, I am going to see it through to fruition. I'm going to see this out. God had already told Abraham he's going to drive these nations out before his descendants. And here God is confirming that. And God warns him not to make a treaty with these people. And I'm just going to be straight with you. It sounds like God's being a jerk. It sounds like God's being a paranoid, just strange, like, hey, don't make, it, don't make any kind of trees with them. Like, I don't trust them as far as I can throw them kind of thing. Like, God seems to be a little paranoid here. But here's the truth. God just knows how humans work. God just knows that when we're presented with a temptation, we are probably giving in that's what god understands and god knows that that if the people of god began to work out deals with the other people that were in the land they would wind up being influenced by them as well he knew that with treaties come marriages if you know if you've, you know, like world history if you remember back whenever world history was for you like this was a common thing of the day when you make a treaty with a nation beside you one king gives his wife, his daughter to be uh, to marry the the king's son, right, and that's going to establish peace, because uh, it works well in all the uh, um, Shakespeare plays, right? It, it's just, it's gonna it's gonna work, no doubt. It usually didn't work, but God knew that if these strange transactions between His people and the other nations began to occur, God's people would be led astray, um, and I'd, mainly because women can get men to do strange things. Amen. They can get, <laughs> we can be convinced to do really dumb things. Anyway, um, but that's, that's what we see. It's not women's fault. It's our own fault. I'm not trying to blame women. It's, it's dumb. It's us dumb men. But God knew that if, 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 if his people were allowed to make com- uh, treaties and, and partnerships with other nations, it was going to lead to, we are no longer a nation of one God. We now have multiple gods. Um, God did not want, he wanted them to live differently among the nations. But the kicker was to not allow the influence from the outside to come inside. That's that's what we see going on. God had called them to live among the other nations, but not to be influenced by them. See, God was not calling, he was not calling the, the Israelites. Yes, on one end, it was like, hey, don't buy into everything else around you. Stay firm in what you believe and, and shut everything else off. But at the same time, God was not calling them to seclusion and isolation. Right? We talk, we've been talking about that the, the purpose of mankind was to be God's image bearers in the world. How can you be an image bearer if the doors always shut? How can you be an image bearer if you're always in your little tent and nobody outside ever gets to see you? They never get to see the light of God. The purpose of mankind is to show the world the image of God in church. If you call yourself a Christian, you too are an image bearer. As God's ecclesia, right? As His called out ones, the principle remains. We've been called by God to engage others for the sake of sharing with them the gospel. And as we're going to them, we cannot let our beliefs and our worship be affected. And you and I We're facing the same thing that Israel faced. We pick the poles. We either shut it down and live in our little Christian bubble and raise our kids in such a way that they don't even know who Iggy Azalea is. I don't know. Anyway, that was random. (laughs) Okay? If your kids don't know Iggy Azalea, that doesn't mean I'm talking about you. Okay, all right. But like you can (laughs) live... You're going to live in such a way that we just we don't want any outside influence. We've got our little family, but what are you neglecting? You are missing the point that God has called you to be an image bearer in the world. God has called you to launch your children as arrows into the lost world as beacons of hope and joy. And not that they have to know who Iggy Azalea is. I wish I hadn't said that now. Okay? <laughs> but what I do know is that we can't Christian bubble. The bubbles have got to be popped, y'all. There's, but, but then let's go, let's go over here, okay? Let's come over here. Because some of you are like, hey, my problem is not the Christian bubble. I know exactly who he is, and that's my jam. Right, whatever, right? <laughs> There's the other end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is I don't look any different than the people around me. I'm living in the world. That's not good either, right? That's not good either. And I, my whole life I've been bouncing between those. <laughs> There were times where I, was, I knew, okay, dude, if I hang out with these people, it's going to get me a mess. I need to stay focused on God. And I tried to put this little Christian bubble around me, and if you were lost at my school, I probably didn't speak to you because I was afraid talking to you would lead me to cussing, and that would lead me to pornography, and that would lead me to something I didn't want to do, right? Like that, that was just the way my mindset was. And then, but then there were other times where all those things sounded really fun. And then I found myself over here. God's called us to live in the in-between, God's called us to pop the Christian bubbles, but yet not be influenced by the people around us. We've got to find that balance. The nation of Israel, we're about to talk about it, they never found it. May it not be said of the people of Lindsay Lane East that we can't find it. May it not be said that there's this Christian bubble around this place, and if you walk in there, dude, they're weird. They are strange, and they don't even know how to talk to people. May that not be said of this place. But may it not also be said that when you go in there, it looks more like something ungodly than it does a church. Like we're going to try to find the balance between those two things. Because I'm your pastor and I'm weird anyway. So we're never going to look <laughs> super holy here. Um, it's in my blood. I can't help it. All right, so... Um, we're trying to find that balance. That's where we're at. So let's talk about the Israelites. The rebellion is the next thing that we see. As you look through this story, um, the story of the the nation of Israel at this point, the story of Moses and the people of Israel extends through the next uh, three books of the Bible. So it begins in Exodus and it goes through Leviticus, which is book number three. Um, it goes through um, Numbers, and then it ends in Deuteronomy. And we see Moses' death at the end of Deuteronomy. Um, But we see, if you're taking notes, number three is the rebellion. So God laid out these laws that showed Israel what it looked like to be holy. Y'all, God is speaking from a mountain, and like there's thunder, and there's lightning, and there's this intense thing. Surely, I mean, if God spoke to you through the lightning, don't you think you'd be able to do it? If God showed up in your bedroom tonight and said, hey, bro, here's what I want you to do tomorrow, Matt. Surely Matt could pull it off. Because God himself spoke it to them. Let's see if that's what happens. (laughs) God warned them of the risk that they were going to make. He's done all these things. He said, do this, don't do this. Let's look. Before Israel enters the promised land, they wander around for 40 years making the trek from Egypt, trying to figure out if they can trust God or not. And He's just given them all these rules and the risks. And uh, none of them have even passed away. The same people that saw the thunder and the lightning on the mountain are still alive. Surely they will do what God said. Numbers 25 verse 1. While Israel was staying in the Acacia Grove, the people began to prostitute themselves with the women of Moab. Moab should sound familiar from one of the lists that we've been looking at. The women invited them to the sacrifices for their gods. And God's people ate and bowed in worship to their gods. So Israel aligned itself with Baal of Peor, which was the name of one of their false gods, And the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Well, y'all, that didn't take long. That didn't take long. We've gone from the mountain where there was thunder and there was lightning. And we've already broken the thing that God said. Don't allow the influences of other faiths outside of yours to affect your worship for me. But let's give them a break, right? Because they're nomads. I mean, they don't even have a home they're not even back to the land that God promised them, surely, I bet hang on, I bet once they get established as a nation and like they get a they get a king and they like got their government going and they've got all this, surely they'll figure it out because they're in this weird time. Isn't routine good? Don't you like routine i've I've been in the office two days in the last two weeks because of stuff, okay. I don't even know what way is up this week because like, I i got to play in the snow with my kids, which was really fun one day, and I was tired of it. But like, I like a routine, and you probably do too. So surely once the nation of Israel gets into a good routine, um, this is going to be good. Let's see. This is 1 Kings uh, chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. I'm just picking these randomly. There's a lot more we could look at. Uh, king Solomon. Um, this was the third king. This was David's son. Great King David's son. Uh, King Solomon loved many foreign women. It's a bad start. In addition to Pharaoh's daughter, which was his first wife. Uh, where is Pharaoh's daughter from? Egypt. We've already heard about them, right? That was one of the nations God said stay away from. He loved other foreign, other foreign women who were these kind of people. Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite. Where have we heard of those before? The nations, God said, stay away from these people. They're going to lead you astray. And Solomon's bringing them into his house and calling them wife. He says, it even says in the text, he's loving these women from the nations about which the Lord had told them, don't intermarry and don't allow them to intermarry with you because they will turn your hearts away to follow their gods. To these women, Solomon was deeply attached in love. There was like 800 of them, so it wasn't a lot of depth of love. But anyway, so from the perspective, this is the third king of Israel. This is the son of David, and he loved many women, people, women who were from the nations that God had said, don't bring it in here. And this is the king, y'all. This is the king of the nation that is breaking the thing that God said don't do. This isn't some third-tier government official. This is the guy that God has appointed to be in charge of the nation, and he's totally turning his back on the things that God called him to do. So how do you think it's going to go over? <laughs> Not good. When Solomon goes to hand off the nation to his son, uh, there's an uprising, and uh, the nation of Israel then becomes two nations, Israel and Judah. Judah. It was a, a, a civil war, if you will, like just a decision that we're, y'all do y'all's thing, we're going to do ours. Um, they're split into two countries and it weakens them. They begin fighting with one another. They don't support one another. They find themselves conquered and captured. And 70 years pass and God's people have now been pulled away again from God's land of promise. And for 70 years they live in exile in Babylon and other places. But after 70 years, they finally get to go back home and reclaim the land that's laid in ruins. And surely, doesn't turmoil and stress just give you perspective? It does for me. I think that song that we sang earlier, right? God, thank you for the scars. Because scar, like difficult times in our life do give us perspective and they help us see. Like, I know when, when Kelly and I, we, Kelly had her uh, thyroid fully removed because of cancer and, and I had a tumor in my face. Uh, that's what this huge scar is, if y'all have ever wondered. Um, I had, a, uh, I had a, a tumor removed. It wasn't cancerous. But that was all within, we found those like within three months of each other. That's fun, isn't it? That'll bring for some perspective to your life, right? And that changed the way that I viewed a lot of things. And you've got stories like that a lot crazier than mine. But God uses turmoil and stress so surely. Right? As you living 70 years in exile, finally we get to come back home. Finally we get to rebuild this nation. Let's do it right this time. Let's do what God's called us to do, surely. Ezra chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. The leaders approached me and said, the people of Israel, the priests, priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the surrounding peoples whose detestable practices are like those of the, I bet you can name some of these names, Canaanites, Hethites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptians, and Amorites. Indeed, the Israelite men have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons so that the holy seed has become mixed with the surrounding peoples. And remember, it wasn't, the danger wasn't the mixing, it was the mixing of the religions. The leaders and officials have taken the lead in this unfaithfulness. If there's anything that should ring in your ears, it's that last statement. The leaders and the officials of our nation have taken the lead in this unfaithfulness. So here's that list of, of peoples again, right? God's called them. Um, Here's what's interesting. God's called the people of Israel to go into this land and conquer these people. Instead, they find themselves conquered by them. This is an upside-down view of what God had intended. They're being led away and astray to worship other gods. The risk that God had warned them about over and over and over has come true over and over and over again. And that's just three instances because I don't want to bore you with any more. But Read the books. It's over and over again that we see the people of Israel falling. But here's my question to you, or statement, or application, or whatever. As God's called out once a day, y'all, we cannot be guilty of the same thing. We cannot be guilty of the same thing as the Israelites, right? Like, if we only had land, that'll fix it, man. Golly, if we just had a nation, if we had land to be a nation then we could follow God. If we only had a king, there's a moment where they're like, hey, we need a king so we can love God better and be a nation. Let's get a king. Man, if we only had a king, then we could follow God. Y'all, we can make all the excuses we want. Well, if I only had a better job, man, I could give God more of my heart. If only my kids weren't crazy. (laughs) What y'all laughing at? If only my kids weren't crazy, man, then I could really do something for God. Right? Listen, church. No, you won't. No, you won't. There is no threshold to reach in your life that will magically make following God easy. It ain't going to happen it 's not and i've i 've done it i 've tried like to to find the thing what 's what 's the magic formula in my life that allow me to follow god listen if you don 't follow God now, more money, getting married, having kids, getting a new job, or anything like that won 't make you start loving god more it 's not going to if you don 't follow him now you won 't follow him then These things are not going to see the problem is not your circumstance the problem is that you suffer. From a broken heart. We cannot please God because we are poor, wretched sinners, your pastor, the chief of all. The law that God gave to Moses actually helps us see this truth. When you read through all the principles that God lays out for his people and calls the nation of Israel to live by, you quickly see I don't measure up, I don't live up to that standard. Listen, church, good night. Don't be guilty of what the Israelites are guilty of. Of kicking the can of your faith down the road and saying, well, God, if you'll fix this, then I'll give you my all. I'll give you my all. Because what we see in the nation of Israel, that no matter how their circumstances improved, they never loved and followed God more than they did before the circumstance came about. When we read the story of Israel, we see that they don't live up to the standard that God set. However, aren't you good when the pastor gets to the however moment? Could not, I hope there's good news coming. Despite the nation of Israel's unloveliness and inability to keep the law that God had commanded them, God never leaves them hopeless. Man, amen. He never leaves them hopeless. In fact, there is a great hope. The nation of Israel begins to wrestle with the idea, what would it look like? What would it look like for an Israelite to truly keep the law? What would it look like if a human being could actually do everything that God has commanded us to do? Man, that'd be crazy, wouldn't it? And then Jesus comes on the scene, right? And he does... The law. He keeps it perfectly. He's the perfect Israelite that Israel can never be. He was the mediator who dealt with God on our behalf. Just as Moses climbed the mountain to deal with God on behalf of the nation of Israel. Christ has ascended the hill to die and deal with God on our behalf. Today, friends, if you are waiting for a piece of the puzzle to fit in so that you can turn your life over to God and begin to live for Him... There are more puzzle pieces than you know are missing. You can keep waiting, and you can keep waiting, but all you're going to do is when that puzzle piece falls, you're going to recognize that there's another one. And you're going to have to wait on that one, and wait on that one, and wait on that one. There is no better day for you to give your life to Christ than the day that you are in. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. There is no circumstance that's going to make this life any easier. Only God working in you can make it possible. Um, I'm going to sing a song here in a second. Patrick, why don't, come on, why don't you come on up anyway, and the band can join you shortly? Um, we're, we'd like to sing a song at the end. Uh, this is a time of response. And today, man, if you say, like, I walked in here and I'm not a Christian and it's cool, I appreciate all the words you said and God's stirring in my heart and I've got questions about what it would look like for me to follow Jesus. this, is a time, this, this last song is a time for you to talk to us about it. Uh, we don't ask you to raise your hand or you know, do anything like that, but I'm going to stand down front in this last song. If you want to come talk to me, I'd love to share with you how Christ has changed my life. We also put two counselors by the back door, our decision counselors. Man, they are friendly, nice people. And we put them by the back door so that if you would rather go back and talk to them instead of coming up and talking to the pastor, which can be intimidating for some people, I don't know why, um, you can go back and talk to them because they just want to help you find the answers. And help you trust in the Jesus that's changed our lives. Um, if you're Now let me talk to the Christians for a second. If you're a Christian in the room, can anybody tell it? Can anybody tell it? At your workplace. Do you look like everybody else? Do you talk like everybody else? Do the things everybody else does? Listen to Iggy Azalea. I'm just kidding. Do you do those things though? Can anybody tell... That you are different. Is there anything about you that screams to the world that you worship Jesus? If not, then you're not living out the God call God has for you. To live called out. We are called out ones. Today, ask God to begin to live through you. Another question. And this is a little bit more intense, I guess. Are you so focused on your own holiness that you neglect the people that you encounter? This is those end of the spectrums, right? Are you so focused on your holiness and not tainting, not staining uh, your walk with God that you're afraid to talk to the people that you encounter on a daily basis? That's got to end. God's called us to make disciples of all nations and to speak to people, to share with people. Listen, as a pastor, I get it. I talk to my neighbors and the first question they ask, you know what they ask? Same question y'all ask your neighbors. Hey, what do you do for a living? And I, I can't lie. I say, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I get the glazed over look. And that changes the relationship, right? And I know why you don't share with your coworkers. Because you don't want the relationship to change. You want to have the relationship that you have with them without having to have that awkwardness of them knowing that you're a Christian. But listen, church, is what God's called us to do. It's why I do share that I'm a pastor. But then I show them that I'm a normal dude too. I just want to, sh- I want to share with them the love that Christ has. The relationship is going to change, but we've got to shine the light and the image of Christ to those around us. Our task is not to live called out um, in isolation, or, nor is it called to just live out and do whatever you want to do. God's called us to live in the balance. and That's what I believe the law teaches us as we study through the covenant of Moses. That's the purpose, I believe, of the covenant of Moses for us as Christians, just to recognize that. Um, and so I, here's what I want. Here's what I want, I want to do. Um, and if you need to talk to anybody about anything, uh, this is a great church. We you want to talk to us about what the membership process looks like, we'd love to talk with you about that. If you say I'm a Christian but I've never been baptized, um, we'd love to talk with you about that, get that scheduled and have that conversation. Um, or if you'd like to talk to somebody about trusting in Jesus, the altar will be open. This is We call this an altar. It's really just an opportunity for you to come and pray. Um, before your church family. Bring the, the cares of your heart and the cares of other people. But man, if you've never trusted in Jesus, please go back and talk to our decision counselors before you leave. Uh, we just, we want you to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that when you leave uh, that you've trusted in Jesus. I'm going to say a word of prayer. After I pray, we're going to stand and sing. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. God, we do thank you that, uh, that, God, as I say over and over again, you didn't leave us alone. You didn't just say, live called out and figure it out. But God, you gave us an explanation of what it looks like in Scripture, and then you also gave us your presence. And God, uh, I need both of those today. God, I need you to teach us. I need you to teach me what it looks like to know you and follow you. And God, also, I need your presence today so that I can be the light that you've called me to be. God, I pray for everybody in this room. God, I don't know the heart, the condition of every heart here but I know the one who does. God, lead us all to take next steps today to become closer in our relationship with you and our walk with you. God, may we not leave this place the same. In Jesus' name,